Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Stuck in the Past, where we explore all aspects of American Indian representation in museums by interviewing professionals in the field. My first guest is Tisa Matheson. I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Tisa Matheson, and I am the American Indian Collection Specialist at the Northwest Museum of Arts and Culture, and I work and mainly manage the um, American Indian objects in the storage and exhibits and um, records management. And so I am in charge of approximately 25,000 to 30,000 objects. And um, I work closely with Anna Harbine, the museum's archivist with American Indian content and indexing. Cool. Um, what does like a typical day in your work week look like? Um, it depends on if there's exhibits that need to be installed, what um, projects are uh, at the forefront, and it really varies from exhibit scheduling and um, what projects are on the line, because I could be doing a lot of emails one day, or else I can do a lot of records management or data entry, so it varies from day to day. Yeah. Uh, are you working on any exhibits or anything right now that are Native-specific? Yes, I'm developing a canoe journey exhibit, and um, that's including the canoe families from the North, um, Salish tribes, from the Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, Kalispell, and... Callville tribes. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> um, and you were talking a little bit about like, you know, some days are email, some days are, you know, actually working with the objects. Are there things that people might not expect you to have to do in your job? Little, um, little tasks or something like that? Yeah. A lot of reference questions that are really weird. <laughs> really off the wall references. Like what? Um, a lot of authentic they request to uh, authenticate some objects they think is very va- valuable, mm-hmm. and um, they want me to give some sort of monetary um, evaluation on them, which we cannot. And some unexpected stuff is just a lot of details. Um, there's more details than one would expect in this job. Sure, yeah. You have to be highly organized. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you, what is your background? How did you get here? Um, my undergrad is um, social science and Native American studies, and my um, family has a um, deeply rooted um, interest in historic preservation. My grandfather worked for the National Park Service down in Spalding, Idaho, for the Nespers National Historical Park. Okay, cool. And then um, I, so we, as a family, helped him do that. He did a lot of exhibitions of dancing, storytelling, and um, um, cultural demonstrations. And so uh, that kind of started it. And then my dad had developed an interest after he retired from his regular job, he came uh, an author in a lot of historical writings and articles, and yeah. he's just a um, historian for the Nespers tribe. Oh, cool. Okay. And then my mom, she just does a lot of um, beadwork and weaving, and so I just 
it, it's just kind of what we do. Yeah. As well as my brother and my sister, they're both in the profession also. Oh, cool. So I, I always say that I'm kind of doomed to <laughs> yeah. be in this profession. There's yeah. just no way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of switching away a little bit from what you do and kind of maybe how Native Americans in general are represented in museums, what are some of the trends that you have seen in your time, either good or bad? Um, the trends of wanting to know more about Native American cultures However, um, the instant museum institutions have a deeply rooted trend and, um, what do you say, systematic way of a very European-centric view. Yeah. And they, it's a very um, ambitious to say that you want to include Native perspective and Native um collaboration but there's a lot of um giving up power that doesn't want to be let go of Mm -hmm. yeah how like have you personally had to fight that in any institution you may have worked at is Uh, it like just kind of you being here with your your knowledge and your background do you think that helps or um it helps a little bit but i it's just so deeply rooted people don't realize they're doing it yeah yeah it's it's more of a um it's a huge cultural difference Mm -hmm. and there's a different definition of ownership between native and european um cultures yeah definitely and so that makes a huge difference and there's just a thing of um the word property and ownership is completely different and it's yeah. trying to translate the two into the two different um, communities is yeah. a big challenge. Yeah, and it, that's a lot of what you do too, right? Is yeah. kind of being a liaison between local tribes and yeah. in this institution in particular. Yes, yeah. exactly. And is that difficult? Is that... It's very difficult yeah. because you have to be aware of museum standards and laws and we have to maintain a certain form of um, um, policy and practice to maintain a museum um, affiliation with Smithsonian as being accredited with the museum association. Mm -hmm. There's certain um, criteria that we have to have, but then again, there's um, the tribal way of doing things in different communities they're not all the same but they're um they're different than that and it's trying to make those two entities understand each other yeah what's the main difference in your opinion between how a native community would handle their objects versus how a museum institution would handle their objects um institution wise it's very individual um centralized as an um a certain person or a certain entity would take ownership of it or handle it and not ask questions and just get go from point a to point b mm-hmm. to equal c but in tribal communities they have to have a group discussion a group collaboration in which affects the time the process and um the opinions and it takes a lot longer to get from A to B to C. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the big um, challenge is, instead of just making the decision. And it's a group decision, not an individual. Yeah, and there's a lot of positives and negatives to that, too. Yes. Like, 
of course you want everyone to feel represented and a part of the decision but at the end of the day sometimes decisions just need to be yeah, made they just need to be made yeah it's really really hard and challenging and sometimes you wish the um eye to eye would see clearer but it just doesn't happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so what are the dangers of not like addressing this idea of ownership this kind of European colonial like uh, mindset what's the dangers for native communities and not addressing that properly in a museum exhibit um, the message would be not representative of mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and it would be very um, come from a very different perspective that's of somebody that doesn't live or in the culture mm-hmm. that's just retelling it in an academic format and there's no um personal connection yeah and it more or less it perpetuates the continuation of the um how do you call it dehumanizing a group of people yeah that what has their voice not being heard, mm-hmm. which has been um, tragically the pattern of history is that yeah. um, natives have been very dehumanized where a scientific object instead of a human yeah. population and community. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I have joked about this before, but I definitely say it all the time that like, I'm never surprised when I see the Native American exhibit like in a natural history museum right next to the dinosaurs yeah as if we are in the past and not currently living today it's yeah weird (laughs) yeah it is weird and it's just something that even we try to get natives to um understand as well as professional um museum workers that there's a lot of things that we have to be careful in how we talk about native communities Mm -hmm. instead of saying that it's past tense it's always present tense yeah and um, I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people to that work in historical preservation institutions do you think that's how natives are talked about in like the classroom like maybe high school middle school or do you think that this is oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it's it's, even though I don't think they intentionally do it but it's subconscious and Mm -hmm. it just it just happens yeah um so are you familiar with like the concept of historical kind of unresolved grief as in we uh native people as a community haven't fully been allowed to process all the things that have happened uh throughout you know American history um and how we can still see effects of that today mm-hmm. yeah um we were reading a book in class that talked about uh, the museum's role in, you know, as we were talking about earlier, decolonizing museums and kind of allowing for a fuller representation um, of Native peoples and within that finding some room to kind of grieve and heal from all those things. It kind of feels like, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened and it's kind of like we there hasn't been a time to process Mm -hmm. and uh you know this book was arguing that museums can play a role in that Mm -hmm. by 
uh, how do you do you see that happening have you seen that happen uh, I'm seeing there's opportunities for that to start to happen mm -hmm. because like any historical institution a repository a lot of collections were um, ingested unethically mm -hmm. and for the institutions um, they need to acknowledge that and even realize that all the good bad and ugly came along with these collections that were inherited or gathered or um, um, displayed even mm -hmm. um, we have to acknowledge that and not hide it yeah and um, share that responsibility and let natives have the opportunity to express that mm -hmm. in some manner and um, and that's I think is a very important rule for museums to um, go ahead and open up that door for reconciliation yeah and that's all it is is just acknowledgement mm -hmm. that it did happen but there's ways to just go ahead and push the reset button yeah and move forward but that has to happen at the, the very top it has mm -hmm. to start with the board of trustees and the leadership for the full buy-in or else it's not gonna work yeah and is that I'm assuming difficult to communicate with a group that you know important to an institution I think it's easy to communicate it, but it's hard to um, practice it. Mm, okay. There's a difference. Yeah. Definitely. Because there's a lot of people that can jump on board and say they want to do it, but when it time comes down to the tough decisions, that's where the test is, mm -hmm. and that's where they usually it doesn't go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it doesn't go by. It doesn't fly. <laughs> And even subconsciously, there's a lot of subconscious um, processes that are just so deeply rooted, they don't yeah. even acknowledge that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest part of balancing so many different tribal cultures in one museum or one exhibit? Um, because here you have Plateau, you have like Salish and... There might be even some Coastal Salish, too. There's Coastal Salish. I mean, we have a little bit of everything. There's yeah. Coastal Salish, um, um, Inland Salish, Sahopton Plateau. I mean, we have Plains, Calif um, California, Mexican, um, even um, some Pacific Islander. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a bright variety. And I think the hardest part of that is... Um, trying to acknowledge their cultural practices and how to handle those objects as well as honoring my own taboos, mm -hmm. my own cultural taboos. And that's where it comes like really difficult because I know I need to get a job done, mm -hmm. but I get kind of stuck of like, how am I going to accomplish this job yeah. and being respectful to these objects? Because yeah. there's a lot of these objects have their own trauma in becoming into these collections. Mm -hmm. And um, I was raised that all of these things have their own life, their own spirit, and they need to be treated as such. And so with that, that's where it makes it difficult. It's like, I can only do my best, yeah. but I still have to get a job done. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a specific example of maybe a certain object that you were having a hard time representing in its fullest form, or? Um, I would say, coming up to some um, what do you call it 
some ceremonial objects that he didn't know was packed away Mm. because I was in a process of unpacking a lot of these um, items from storage to be housed permanently on a shelf and I didn't know what was in the box and I open it up and it's a lot of maybe ceremonial items that either came out of a grave or came out from a like highly um, exclusive ceremonial society Mm -hmm. and that's where I I get really um, it puts me in a really hard position and it's really difficult to process yeah I bet there's a lot of uh, non-natives in the institution museums in general that don't understand the significance of certain cultural things or maybe the um desire for privacy for certain things has that been difficult yeah that has been difficult because I've had to do my own turn like levels of restriction within the collections Mm -hmm. I'd have to put signs out especially if we're having a NAGPRA consultation I would have to put signage out saying do not enter the collections there's um sensitive items being brought out and please do not disturb as well as just um, just signage within the uh, collection itself is like, please don't handle this without curator permission, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. And so that makes it um, a challenge to communicate. There's sensitivities, and usually it goes by pretty well, but then again, it's a lot of just forgetfulness that things do happen, and yeah. they do go on in closed doors, and it makes it, uh, an administrator's mind that yeah, there's something going on and you can't enter. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs>